we open the scriptures to the gospel according to Matthew chapter 27. We read a short portion of that chapter, beginning at verse 45, reading through verse 56. Text is verses 52 and 53. So let us hear the word of God beginning at Matthew 27, verse 45. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there, when they heard that, said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly this was the Son of God. And many women were there beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee ministering unto him, among which was Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joses and the mother of Zebedee's children. We end our scripture reading here. Once more, we look at verses 52 and 53. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Beloved in the Lord, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ were two events of truly cosmic significance. Indeed, that is understating it. They are the two events of greatest significance in the history of this world. And so it should be of little surprise that these two events were accompanied by mysterious and miraculous signs and wonders. And we read of three such miraculous signs and wonders in our scripture reading here in Matthew chapter 27. Matthew describes how at Jesus' death, the temple veil, the great curtain in the temple in Jerusalem that stood between the holy place and the most holy place, how that veil was 
torn in half from the top to the bottom, exposing before the eyes of anyone in the holy place, exposing to their eyes the most holy place. And how at the same time there was a great earthquake that shook the land. An earthquake so strong that the very rocks were rent. The very rocks were broken up and torn into pieces. So strong was this earthquake. Two great signs. But most unusual and most mysterious is the third sign. Which our text so very briefly describes. As the temple veil was torn and as the earth shook, many graves were opened. And after Jesus' resurrection, the saints whose bodies lay in those graves arose and appeared to many in Jerusalem, the holy city. Strange, startling, attention-grabbing, this sign is. A sign. It is. Our text records an event in which God is speaking. Speaking from heaven and by means of a sign proclaiming the significance and meaning of Jesus' death and resurrection for us, his people. If you think about Jesus' life and ministry, you'll recall that at significant junctures, God spoke from heaven. At Jesus' baptism, the heavens were opened and God the Father spoke, This is my beloved Son. At that turning point in Jesus' ministry, when he would set his face to go to Jerusalem, the Mount of Transfiguration, after our Lord was given a foretaste of the glory that would be his, on the other side of the cross, again, a voice from heaven, This is my beloved Son. And now, after Jesus has breathed his last and commended his spirit into the Father's hands at the close of his earthly ministry, God again speaks, not with words from heaven, but with three marvelous signs. The third of which we are going to consider tonight. It's fitting to consider this third sign tonight because it has to do not only with Christ's death on the cross, but also his resurrection. It is a sign that shows us what Christ's death and resurrection have done for us. And thus, through this sign, God still speaks to us today. As this sign appears for us on the pages of Holy Scripture, God shows us what Jesus' death and resurrection mean for us. And that gives us comfort and hope. So on the evening of this Resurrection Sunday, let us consider this unusual sign recorded in Matthew 27 verses 52 and 53. Under the theme, Opened Graves and Risen Saints. We're going to look at the three parts of this sign. There are really three parts to it. First, the opening of the graves. Secondly, the rising of the bodies of the saints. And finally, the appearing of the risen saints in the holy city. Opened graves and risen saints. Opening, rising, appearing. At the moment of Jesus' death, the earth shook and graves were opened. 
That immediately shows us that the death of Jesus Christ was something altogether extraordinary. There is only one man whose death opens graves. And that's Jesus. Jesus' death opens graves. That's astounding. The graves which were opened were graves all around the city of Jerusalem. It's not that every single grave was opened, but many graves were opened. And these graves were opened without any human hand. And that too is startling. If there's anything that's supposed to stay closed... If there's anything that is not meant to be opened, it's a grave. And yet, at the moment of Jesus' death, a host of graves around the holy city burst open. Now, in order to to visualize what happened, we need to remember what kind of grave is being talked about here. When we think of a grave, perhaps we think of the graveyard that we've gone to when a loved one was buried. That graveyard where a hole is dug in the earth and a coffin is lowered into that hole and dirt is placed over it. That's not the kind of grave being talked about here. So when the text speaks about graves opening, we mustn't think of dirt shifting and an unearthed coffin opening. But we should think of a grave like that of Joseph of Arimathea. The tomb in which our Lord Jesus' body was placed. A sepulcher, a tomb carved out of the hillside, carved out of the rock like a cave. A stone chamber with a stone door placed in front of its opening. That's the kind of grave that is being talked about here. There were many such tombs, many such graves in the rocky mountainous country around Jerusalem. The city set in the mountains. Those are the graves being spoken about. And these graves then miraculously open. At the very same time, never before had something like this happened, nor afterwards. They were opened, the text says. And that passive, that passive voice of the verb should highlight something to us. There's no human agency here. Man did not open these graves. Who did? God did. The passive verb calls our attention to the divine agency behind the opening of these graves. God's own hand opened the graves. Now perhaps he used the second sign, that earthquake which was so strong that it rent the very rocks. That may have been his means as he shook the earth The stone doors of many of these tombs crumbled to pieces. Perhaps that's how God did it. Or perhaps God worked by, in a special way, miraculously to remove stones in front of the graves. Whatever the way was, God opened the graves. Whose graves? Which graves? Well, the text makes clear that certain specific graves were opened. Verse 52 The graves were opened, and then the verse goes on to specify who the occupants of these graves were. Many bodies of the saints, which slept, arose. The graves of saints opened. Not the graves of just anybody, but of saints, holy ones, set-apart ones. That is, 
God's elect people whom he has chosen and whom he has saved and whom he has brought to faith. God's people, the graves of dead saints were opened. And that too highlights the fact that this was not some natural occurrence or not some incidental occurrence, but the very hand of God opened these graves. Only certain graves opened the graves of saints. When the very moment Jesus died. It's clear from the text that these three signs happened basically at the same time. As the temple veil was torn in half, signifying that the way into God's presence is open through Jesus Christ. The earth shook, indicating God's judgment upon wicked man as well as his renewal of all things. And the graves were opened. Indicating that death is conquered and life comes through Jesus Christ. These happened at the same time. But now, a very important question in understanding this third sign is understanding that the first part, the opening of the graves, took place on Good Friday at the moment of Jesus' death. But the next two parts... The resurrection of the bodies within those graves and their appearing in Jerusalem happened after the Lord's resurrection. When we read verse 53, rather verse 52, the second part, we should read it this way. And the graves were opened and then we should take The phrase found in verse 53, after his resurrection. So, and the graves were opened, stop. And after his resurrection, many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves. The way the text reads here, it might leave the impression that the graves were opened and the saints arose at the very moment that Jesus died, and then after his resurrection, they came out of the tombs. But that's not the case. Only the graves opened when Jesus died. And that makes sense. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 20 says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. It would not make sense for these saints to rise before Jesus Christ, who is the first fruits of them that slept, who is the first fruits after which comes the rest of the harvest. Indeed, Christ, as the first fruits from the dead, is the very first which guarantees the gathering in of the rest of the harvest. And besides, if you were to insist that the saints rose as soon as the graves were open, you'd be left with an absurdity. What did those saints do before they appeared? In the holy city after Jesus' resurrection, did they just sit there in their dark tombs until after Jesus rose? No, the idea is the graves opened and then after Jesus rose, the bodies within them were raised and they came out and appeared to many. The graves were opened. Now understanding this first part of this sign, let's move to see its significance. It's a significant sign. It's significant because it shows us what Christ's death does for us. The opening of the graves 
is a yet another proclamation that death is vanquished. By his death, Jesus has defeated our last enemy. As 2 Timothy 1 verse 10 says, He has abolished death and brought life and immortality to life. He's abolished death, meaning he's nullified it. He's made it of none effect. He has taken its power away. It still exists, but it cannot operate the way it did before. It has no fangs. It has no power. At the moment of Jesus' death, the earth quaked, the rocks broke, and the grave opened. The grave, which the proverb says is never satisfied. The grave, which loved to grasp hold of its victims with its iron grip. That grave is opened, and it must give up those it otherwise would imprison. The grave opened. Christ's death opens the graves of his people. He opens the graves of the people he has died for. The grave cannot stay shut. That's the significance of this first part of the sign. There is victory over the grave. Going along with that then, the opening of the grave is a visible demonstration That Christ's death has taken away our curse. Death, the grave, curse, they all belong together. Death is simply the execution of God's curse upon the sinner. And God's curse is his killing word of wrath. It's his just word of judgment upon the sinner. And that curse executes the penalty of the law, which is death. And the grave... The grave is the curse's workshop. The grave is where the curse finishes its work. Dust thou art, and to dust thou shalt return. There, the grave, in the grave, the curse finishes that work. It's the curse's workshop. But Christ's death blows open the grave. Blows open the curse's workshop. Signifying that there is no more curse upon God's saints for Christ died the accursed death. That's Calvary. He hung upon the accursed tree, suspended between heaven and earth, signifying that he was rejected of both. He was the accursed one. As Galatians 3 verse 13 tells us, he became a curse for us that we might not be accursed. The opening of the grave signifies there's no curse in death anymore for the child of God. When you face the grave, you're not going to the curse's workshop. Yes, death is real. Yes, the body turns to dust. But not under the curse of God. But with God's promise of the coming resurrection. The curse is gone. The sting of death is gone. The grave is open. This sign shows us how we are to think about the grave. Yes, when we are at the graveside, there's a terrible finality to it. 
finality in this short earthly life. But even as the dirt is piled upon the coffin. It's not a closed grave. Christ has opened that grave. The one who goes into that grave. is not going to stay there. When we put a loved one in that grave. Putting them to sleep. Putting the body in its dormitory. To wait for the coming Christ. The grave of every Christian is an open grave that can never be closed. It's a place where the body waits for the day of Christ. That's how we view the grave. But that's just the first part of the sign, isn't it? There's much, much more. The graves were opened. Not so that they could just sit open, but so that those in the graves might come out. The opening of the graves leads to the full manifestation of this sign which took place after Jesus arose on Resurrection Sunday. After the Lord arose, something marvelous happened in all of those graves which were opened up around Jerusalem. The text says, the bodies of the saints were raised And they were raised to new life by the power of the risen Christ. From the open graves walked forth risen saints. Verse 52. And the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. And that word arose is the exact same word used of Jesus' resurrection. They arose unto new life by the power of God. Now let us see that the text emphasizes that this resurrection of these saints was a real bodily resurrection. The text emphasizes that. And that comes out when you look at the wording. It's a little odd at first glance, isn't it? The text doesn't say many saints which slept arose, but many bodies of the saints which slept, arose. The text lays the emphasis on the body, the physical body, the same body that these saints had throughout the course of their earthly life, the body that had gotten sick and died, the body that had aged, the body that had scars, that same body, the body which in the case of some of them had likely rotted away to bones. That body arose from the grave and came forth. That refutes the scoffing of the skeptics who don't like texts such as this because they're so supernatural. So some have tried to avert or turn away from the true teaching of the text. Some have said this wasn't really a resurrection, but just the appearance of the spirits of the dead saints. But the text refutes that with its emphasis on the body. More crudely, others who don't want to believe the Bible say, well, it was just the earthquake. The earthquake shook so hard that it broke open these tombs and threw the bodies out so that when people were Walking around outside of Jerusalem, they saw all of these bones and these corpses laying outside. That's, of course, not what happened. The bodies arose. And that stresses 
the body is important. God created our bodies. And he didn't just create our bodies. He has redeemed our bodies with the blood of Jesus Christ. We belong to him body and soul. And the fullness of the glory that will be ours through the work of Christ will be enjoyed not only in the soul, but in the body. In the body. The question that then follows is, what was the nature of this resurrection? The resurrection of these saints. The question is this, really. Were they raised in the same way that other saints were raised? Think of the three resurrections that Jesus performed during his earthly ministry. He raised the little daughter of Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue. He raised the son of the widow of Nain. Most well known, he raised Lazarus. Is that what happened here? Now, with those resurrections, those three were raised so that they would go back to their old earthly life. They were raised, revived, but they were not glorified. They went back to mortal life and died again. Is that what we have here? Or do we have a resurrection like Jesus' own glorious resurrection? Where these saints are raised from the dead and raised unto newness of life. Raised with glorified bodies. Their same body, which is put into the grave, arises. But it's transfigured. It's glorified. It's made a spiritual body. An incorruptible body. Just like the body with which Jesus arose from the grave. That's the question. And when we look at the text and really think about it, the answer becomes clear. These saints were raised with new, glorified, resurrection bodies like unto Jesus' body. And several reasons lead us to this necessary conclusion. First, these saints had been dead. We don't know how long. They had been dead for some time. And that means their souls were undoubtedly in heaven. In heaven. And it would be impossible for God to take a soul from paradise and bring it back into this sin-cursed world to inhabit a mortal body, to die all over again. A soul that had at last been freed from sin and made perfect. Brought back to sin again. That's inconceivable. It would would be out of harmony with the character of God. In the case of Lazarus, the daughter of Jairus, and other such resurrections. Though the Bible doesn't tell us, it's certain that their souls did not go to heaven. God planned that they would be raised shortly after they died. And so undoubtedly their souls did not go up to heaven, but were kept dormant for a short period of time until they were raised from the dead. That's how we should understand 
the resurrection of these other saints. But in this case, where their souls were in heaven, they would not have been brought down to live in an earthly, mortal body again. But they were raised. They were raised to be like Jesus. To have a glorified body like His. And going along with that then, a second major reason why we ought to interpret the resurrection of these saints in this way is that, remember, it's a sign. These saints are raised from their open graves to be a sign. To be a sign of what? To be a sign of what Jesus' death and resurrection accomplishes. If these saints were raised up in order to resume their normal earthly lives and then die again, that would be a very poor sign. A very poor sign of the power of Christ's death and resurrection. Christ's death and resurrection doesn't give us more of this life. Christ's death and resurrection gives us eternal life. And so, as we look at the resurrection of these saints, the only conclusion that we can come to is that they were raised unto newness of life with bodies transfigured after the image of Jesus Christ. And the third reason that goes along with the first two is the language that the text uses. In verse 53, when it describes them as appearing. That's language that is not ordinarily used. Of someone who has a mortal body that is of the earth earthy. But it fits the description of Jesus, does it not? When he appears to his disciples. When he is suddenly in the midst of them. That word signals to us that these saints were raised with their same bodies. But different, transfigured, glorified. Because they were to be a sign. Now let's see the significance of this second part. The resurrection of the saints. The resurrection of these saints proclaims the glorious victory of Christ's resurrection. Put the first two parts together. Jesus' death opens up the graves. But that's not all Jesus' death and his resurrection does for us. It doesn't just open the graves, but it raises his people to life and it brings them out of the grave. Jesus not only conquers death, but he gives us life. Jesus not only frees us from the grave, but he refashions us after his own likeness. Jesus opens the grave and Jesus brings his people out of the grave and brings them beyond the grave. These resurrected saints emerged from the grave with their bodies glorified like unto Jesus' body. They passed beyond the grave. Never again would those bodies enter into a grave. They were deathless, immortal. And that's the sign. Jesus' death, which takes away our sin, which takes away our curse, which earns us everlasting life. Jesus' resurrection, by which he takes that life and imparts it to us, takes us out of the grave and beyond the grave. Second aspect of the significance of this part of the sign is that it demonstrates Jesus died and rose again, not as a private individual, 
but as our head and representative. As soon as Jesus died, there was an immediate visible effect upon his people. As soon as he died, the graves of some of his people opened. And that was a sign to teach us that Jesus died for us. And after Jesus arose, on the very same day that he arose, many of his people arose from their graves, indicating to us that he rises, not just for his own glory, but he arises as the head of his elect, the head of his redeemed church. And what happens to the head must happen to his body. Thus, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 22 and 23, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ's at his coming. That points us to the end of the world. Christ has arisen. He has ascended into heaven. But the day is coming. John 5 verse 25 tells us, the day is coming when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and they who are in the graves will come forth. Jesus has arisen as the first fruits and the rest of the harvest must follow. He didn't rise just by himself. He arose as the first fruits of a harvest. And that means his resurrection guarantees there's going to be a whole ton of other resurrections like his. And these saints are a sign of what is to come. So we go back to our graves. Grave of our believing loved ones. That we look at in light of the word of God as an open grave. The body there. It's going to come out. It is going to come out. And when it comes out. It will come out and never go back. It will come out so much more glorious. Than we ever saw it before. Finally, the resurrection of these saints is a visible promise and pledge assuring us. Assuring us that we will be like Jesus Christ. 1 John 3 verse 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Here we are given a glimpse. We are given a glimpse of what we shall be. This is beautiful. We see a glimpse of that, of course, when we look at Jesus' resurrection. He arises with his glorious body with new immortal life. But that's Jesus. He's the Son of God. Can it really be for us? Can it really be for you? Thus God coming down 
to our human weakness gives us this sign. These saints risen on the day of Jesus' resurrection. Risen with glorified bodies like unto his glorified body. And what that says to us is, look, this is what you shall be. Look, not just Jesus, but you. You because of Jesus. This is what we shall be. We shall be like him. We shall be as he is. Philippians 3 verse 21. Paul says with great joy. That Christ shall change our vile body. That it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. According to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. These risen saints, let us catch a glimpse of what we will be when we come out of our open graves. The saints were raised so that they might appear. The saints were raised not only so that they could be written about and put here in the scriptures for our instruction, though that is their enduring purpose, but they were also raised and given a mission for the short time that they continued on earth. And that mission was to appear. Verse 53 of the text now, And came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. The risen saints came out of their graves. But they didn't come out just to wander around the countryside of Jerusalem. No, God raised them for a purpose. He raised them and sent them on a mission. And their mission was in the holy city, in the city of Jerusalem. The city that had just witnessed the crucifixion of the Christ of God. And they were sent to be his witnesses in the holy city. Now at this point, several questions might arise. Questions such as, who are these saints? Perhaps we've been wondering this all along. It speaks of the bodies of saints that were raised. What saints? We're not told. Because that's not really what's important for us to know. Their identity doesn't so much matter. The fact of it is what matters. Saints arose. Some suggest they were Old Testament saints like the patriarchs, the prophets. Others suggest maybe that they were more contemporary saints. After all, the people of Jerusalem recognized them. It seems to imply that these were saints that they had known in life, but had recently passed away. Perhaps saints like Simeon and Anna. Everyone who went to the temple knew who Anna was. The aged prophetess who looked for the redemption of Israel. Perhaps but we don't know. And so we must be content to leave that question unanswered. These saints, whoever they were, were raised and they went into the holy city and they appeared unto many, the text says. And again, it's more general than we would like. We want to know the specifics. To who? To Jesus' enemies? To Jesus' disciples? To whom did they appear? And how did they appear? Did they just walk through the city? Did they talk to people? Did they speak of Jesus' resurrection? We're not told. The emphasis, though, is upon their appearing. They were seen. 
They were seen and they were recognized. And it caused a stir in the city of Jerusalem. There are all of these believers, these saints who were dead. And now we see them alive. You imagine how striking that would be. Church members that you knew from years gone by, but who had been dead, suddenly showed up in town or here in church. How striking that would be. That's what happens here. And the whole purpose of their appearing is that they might bear witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They were living proof of Jesus' resurrection. One of the infallible proofs. Jesus' resurrection is accompanied by such startling signs as this. The appearance of many saints who had been dead. That only serves to confirm all the more the testimony that he is risen. But it not only bears witness to the fact of his resurrection, it bears witness to the power of his resurrection. You can well imagine that they appeared to other believers. And in appearing to them, they were a living illustration of what Jesus had accomplished for his people. They bore witness to the power of his resurrection. What happened to these saints after they appeared in the holy city? Again, we're not told. But undoubtedly, they were taken up to heaven. They arose with their resurrected bodies. They no longer belonged to the order of this world. Undoubtedly, they were taken up. If they weren't, they'd still be here. Because they had passed beyond the grave. They were taken up, the spoils of the victorious Christ, to join others such as Enoch and Elijah, who had their new bodies as well. And to be a sign in heaven as well. A sign to the souls of all of the saints who had died. A sign of what awaited them too. On the day of Christ's return. Not only do we the saints on earth yearn for the coming of Christ. But the assembly of the saints in heaven yearn for that day too. The day when their bodies will be raised just as well as ours. These saints raised on Jesus resurrection day. Brought into heaven. And serve as an encouraging sign to the saints there. The whole church. The church militant here below and the church triumphant above looks forward to the resurrection of the body. And that takes us to the significance for us. The risen saints come forth from their graves unto newness of life and appear in the holy city. Doesn't that say something about the new life That awaits us. To appear in the holy city. The grave is opened. And that's the direction it's opened towards. The holy city. And that's what will happen on the great day of resurrection. When Jesus Christ calls our bodies from the grave. He calls them forth. So that we might appear with him in the holy city. The new Jerusalem. 
the new heavens and the new earth. The resurrected creation, the abode of glory, our true home. That's what we look forward to. As the risen saints appeared in Jerusalem, so too one day we shall appear in the new Jerusalem. To bear witness, yes, with our praises. Praise to Him, our Savior. But now, as we yet live here below, we have that resurrection life already. We look forward to the resurrection of the body, but we have the new life of Christ within us. We have passed from death unto life. And so as these risen saints, let us as spiritually risen saints, bear witness in the midst of this world, in the midst of the church, in the place where God has set us, telling all men of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us bear witness by appearing As new creatures in Christ. Appearing in the midst of this world. Being different. So that in us. A glimpse of Christ can be seen. So that in our life. And in our conduct. We show the power of his resurrection. And as we live. As new creatures in Christ here below. Let us live with the hope and the comfort. Of the opened grave coming resurrection and the new Jerusalem into which we shall one day appear. This is the blessed gospel of the opened graves and the risen saints. Amen. Faithful God and Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for this instructive sign that Thou hast included in Thy Word which allows us catch a glimpse of the glory that shall be revealed in us. We yearn for that day, the day of resurrection, the day when death can be left behind, and the grave as well. Hasten that day, Father. And while it is thy will for us to live here below, surrounded by the darkness and death of this fallen world, may our hearts be fixed upon thy promises. And may our hearts be fixed upon the life that is ours through Jesus Christ. That we fear not death. That we not sorrow as those who are without hope. But with uplifted heads. Expect his coming. And our resurrection. Eternal glory. Bless this word to our hearts. And hear our prayer for Jesus sake. Amen.